Happy New Year from the Compassion Initiative podcast. I'm Stan Steindl and not with me for the first episode of 2021 is James Kirby. Poor old James is doing what many academics are doing at this time of year and that is writing grants and proposals to try to secure funding for all their important work. So let's send out a hearty Go James! And hopefully in some small way that might help. But the show must go on. So I decided to take it upon myself to start the year with a bang and record our first podcast episode. We're determined to make it monthly this year. Right, James? James? James. So what better place to start a new year than bringing compassion to the world? I recently presented a short workshop at the 2021 MINT Virtual Forum. MINT stands for Motivational Interviewing Network of Trainers. And so this particular forum is a gathering of people from all around the world discussing motivational interviewing and helping people change. My workshop was called Motivational Interviewing, Bringing Compassion to the World. The idea behind the workshop was that these days, the world can really feel like it's in dire straits. UNICEF report that in half of the world's rich countries, more than one in five children live in poverty. Late last year, fires burned their way through Australia and other countries since. But in Australia, more than 60,000 koalas were lost, severely threatening the survival of that species. And of course, well over 2 million people have died from COVID-19, and those numbers don't seem to be abating. These are just a few randomly selected examples of the suffering in the world. However, without Mud, there is no lotus. Suffering is a part of life, and when approached skillfully, can provide the stimulus for growth. We never completely take suffering away, but with wisdom, strength, courage, and commitment, we may try to alleviate and prevent it wherever we can. And so we arrive at compassion. A human motivation evolved from mammalian caring motives to engage with suffering and act in a way that might help alleviate or prevent that suffering. And of course, this flows in three directions. Compassion for others, receiving compassion from others, and offering compassion to ourselves or self-compassion. So have a little think. What might be some opportunities for compassionate action in your life, your neighbourhood or community? Consider acts of kindness, gratitude, forgiveness, appreciation, helpfulness. Consider compassion for family, friends, colleagues, even strangers. What could it be? What might you do? How might you help? Now, stop and reflect a little more. What do you notice are some of the fears, 
blocks and resistances that arise when you think about bringing more compassion into your life? What might get in the way of all that? Fears of compassion relate to seeing compassion as some kind of threat that elicits the fear response and associated avoidance. For example, compassion will make me weak or vulnerable. Blocks refer to when a person would like to be compassionate, but is unable due to constraints such as time or other resources or lack of knowledge or insight. I don't know how to be compassionate. I don't have time. Resistances refer to when a person, in fact, could be compassionate, but is not. It's not about fear or trepidation. Rather, it's about competing motives, such as self-interest or competition and wanting to win. It's dog-eat-dog out there and you need to be tough. So do any of these arise for you? When you start to think about being more compassionate, do you notice any fears, blocks or resistances? Any reservations? In motivational interviewing, we might refer to these fears, blocks and resistances as sustained talk, which really just means the arguments a person has against change or action. And people can experience sustained talk with compassionate action too. They might very well have various arguments why compassion across the three flows might not be good for them. Now, the important thing, of course, is to not argue with them on this point, not to try to convince them or tell them that they're wrong or even offer lots of suggestions or solutions to make them more compassionate. Instead, we have to listen to those reservations, help people feel heard and understood, help them to feel safe, and help them to feel their point of view is accepted and validated. It's tempting to try to tell someone to be more compassionate, but if we pause and keep listening, this can be a very powerful act of compassion in and of itself. And you know what? When we do stop and listen to a person's sustained talk and they do feel properly heard and understood, then we're often able to ask, so what about the other side? What would you like to do to be more compassionate? If you were to bring more compassion into your life, how might you go about it? What are for you some of the best reasons to be more compassionate? What might make being compassionate for you really important? You can probably hear some paths of inquiry there. What are the person's desires to be more compassionate? Ability or how to be more compassionate? Their personal reasons for being more compassionate and their sense of need or what makes compassion important for them. In motivational interviewing, we call all of this change talk. And this represents the person's arguments for change or in this case, for compassionate action. James and I, along with Cassie Telligen, Anna Phylus, Emma Sapala and James Doty, 
have been beavering away trying to get a measure of compassion and self-compassion, motivation and action published. And it looks like we might be right on the verge of having this done. We've created the compassion, motivation and action scales and it has three factors. An intention factor that assesses people's desire, reasons and need for compassion. A distress tolerance factor that assesses people's compassion-related abilities, their coping self-efficacy and their confidence, and an action factor. The distress tolerance factor was most predictive of various outcome measures, and so we concluded that distress tolerance and ability change talk generally might be particularly important when preparing to cultivate more compassion in daily life when helping people weigh up their motivations for compassionate action, be sure to explore with them their strategies for coping and for building confidence, their ability around compassion. Keep an eye out for this paper. Fingers crossed it will be coming out soon. So we have sustained talk, fears, blocks and resistances to compassion. And we have change talk, which is people's desire, ability, reasons and need regarding compassionate action. What next? Well, I'm proposing wisdom talk. Wisdom talk is when a person is expressing understanding, insight or wisdom regarding the nature of suffering and what's behind one's own thoughts, feelings, behaviours and motives, or those of another, and expressing a formulation for or functional analysis of one's own behaviour, or the behaviour of another. And it's about expressing thoughts and ideas about how to be helpful. From a compassion-focused therapy point of view, Compassionate wisdom is a knowing awareness that we are all born with genes that we did not choose. We have tricky brains that were designed for us, not by us. We are then shaped by our experiences, which we also didn't get to choose, and none of this is our fault. But it is our responsibility to find ways to learn, change and grow, and where we can, alleviate and prevent suffering. So an example of wisdom talk might be when a person says, I understand when night comes, my neighbor's threat system gets all activated because his brain learned to switch on at night when he was on patrol. And that's why he drinks and starts yelling. While it's very upsetting for me, I can see he's suffering. And I wonder if there's something I can do to help. So that might be an example of wisdom talk. All of this shows the importance of guided discovery and evoking intuitive wisdom in cultivating compassion across the three flows. We explore sustained talk first, inviting people to express their arguments against compassion, their fears, blocks and resistances, and help them to feel heard and understood accepted and validated. Then we gently start to explore change talk. What sorts of compassionate action the person would like to do? 
how would they go about it, why they would do it, and what makes it important to them. And then we start to tap into wisdom talk. What does the person already know about the nature of the human mind and the nature of human suffering and how to be helpful rather than harmful to themselves and to others? And a final step to see whether the person would be willing to make a commitment. What compassionate action will they do to help bring more compassion into the world? And so to finish, this is what I'll ask you. What compassionate action, large or small, close to home or further afield, will you do? Thank you for listening. And let us know your thoughts from today's episode. We're looking forward to returning to regular podcasts for 2021. Send us positive vibes of motivation. In fact, James and I will return next month for more Compassion Initiative podcasts.